0: Side? Nice to see you. How are you today? Good. I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Appreciate it. I want to say hi to our friends who are joining us over in the family room in the block. Glad you guys are here. I like the sea of red there. Right? All right. Oh, so can I just let's just set this up before we go any further. 49er fans in here and uh, Seahawks fans in the lobby. Both rooms. We'll wait. No, just kidding. Oh, just kidding. No, just, sorry. It's all in fun, right? Yeah, and we're here to worship God. That's the priority. We're, that's, that's everything, right? Okay. Hey, let's pray together, and then we're going to look into Scripture, okay? Father in heaven, thank you for loving us like you do. Would you open up our hearts and our minds to you and steer us on the path that you have for us? We want to we be involved in a great adventure for you, but it only happens if you give us your blessing, if you fill us with your spirit. And so that's my prayer for us today. Be honored among us as we meet together and we worship and talk about you, Lord. We love you. We seek you through Jesus. Amen. Amen. So last month, Lakeside lost a really good friend. And uh, not someone maybe that a lot of us knew well, but someone who had a a really great big heart for Lakeside Church. His name was Buzz Oates. And uh, some of you know Buzz as the... um, one of the most successful land developers, uh, commercial land developers in the region uh, over the last 40 or 50 years, and uh, what a lot of people don't know, even here at Lakeside Church, is how much Buzz Oates was influential in making sure that we, as a church, acquired this property that we're sitting on and worshiping in today, and he passed away last month at 90 years old, and I... I never really got a chance to know him well, but I went to his memorial service and just listened and celebrated his life and the generosity that he showed to so many churches, including Lakeside Church, uh, around the region. And so big loss, I think, for us in, in you know, this side of heaven uh, when Buzzowitz passed away. Now, I want to go back and tell you a little bit of the story of how he's involved in Lakeside's history and kind of let use that to, you know, move us forward in the journey that we're on today in 1996, Lakeside Church was meeting over in the old Catholic church building that we had purchased uh, before that. And uh, we'd been there for about five years. The church was growing. By the time we left that building, after 10 years, the church had grown from 100 people to 1,100 people on a given weekend. Yeah, it was, it was exciting, right? It was a lot of fun. Some of you guys remember that. It was very cool. Uh, we had one acre of property, and we had 54 parking spaces. And by the time we left there, we had 1,100 people coming every weekend. Like, that in itself is a miracle, you know? Americans don't go where they can't park, you know? So it was kind of interesting. And so I, at one point in 1996, I got our elder team together. I said, hey, you guys, I think we need to ask God to, to lead us to another piece of property that we can develop and use for God's glory in this region. And they said, sure, go ahead. So I invited a bunch of... Real estate developers and agents and financial experts and people like that. got them all together in somebody's living room one night, and I said, Hey, guys, I just want to kind of lay out what I think is the dream that God has for us and kind of the direction path that God has for us over the next several years. And they were like, Go ahead. I said, Okay, here's the deal. Uh, I, I think we ought to ask God, and we ought to be searching in this community for 20 acres of property. We had one. We needed 20. And, uh, and, you know, because if, if God's going to do something great among us, there's going to need, need to be some space. And so the guys in the room are like, yeah, that's a good idea. We, we could probably find that. And I said, and it needs to be inside the city limits of Folsom because that's been our target from the beginning. And I know these days, you know, a lot of you come from Cameron Park or El, El Dorado Hills or Orangevale or Citrus Heights or Outgrove. We reach a wide range of or a wide region today, and, and you come from all over the place, and that's awesome, but our target had been Folsom, and so I said, these 20 acres need to be inside the city limits of Folsom, and then I said, and th- uh, the property needs to be on a major intersection in town. We can't be off in a neighborhood kind of tucked back in the corner. We're the church. We need to be visible. We need to have a lot of drive-bys, <laughs> sightings, not shootings, <laughs> And so, you know, so I'm laying this all out, and as I'm going along, they're like, yeah, that could happen, that could happen. You know, the more, I, the more I told them the vision, the more they're going, oh, it's getting tight, you know. But it's 1996, and there's pieces of property that, you know, could be described that way and stuff. And, and, and then I had this little spur-of-the-moment inspiration. The rest of this had been a planned speech, but at this last instant, I just got this little thing in my heart that I think was the Holy Spirit. I said to the guys who were there, I said, you know, and I think we ought to ask for those 20 acres for free. Do you know their response was exactly the same as yours? (laughs) Nervous laughter. We got done. We prayed together about what was going to happen. I said, now you guys go out and search and, and let's find what God has for us, right? So then we called the next meeting. About a month later, only half of the people came back. They're like, the pastor's a wingnut, this is never going to happen, he knows nothing about real estate, this is not going to happen, so they didn't show up. But but about half of them came back, and we just kept praying, and kept looking, and kept asking God, what do you want to do among us? Well, about a year later, late in 1997, we got a call from the office of Buzz Oates, and they said, you know, we, we know you've been looking at a piece of property that we have, and, and we'd like to talk to you about it, so... Sure enough, they invited me and another one of our elder team members at the time was Scott Hansen. They invited us to come and join with them and uh, have a little meeting. So we're in this big conference room, huge conference table. It is as wide as most conference tables are long. And so Buzz Oates and his partner are sitting over there. Scott and I are sitting over on this side, and, and we're going to negotiate. Now, I didn't know a lot about Mr. Oates, except I knew he was a big developer and all, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, so when I went to his memorial service and people were talking about him, uh, one of the things that I learned was the, the thing that he liked most about business, and he liked a lot of it, you know, but the thing he liked most about di- business was the art of the deal. You know, it's the negotiating process. It was winning. That's what He, he just loved that part, and he was good at it. Right. And so, but I didn't know all that. And I'm, you know, I'm naive. I'm a young pastor. and It's like, well, you know, let's just see where this thing goes. And so he begins a negotiating process. He says now, well, he starts off this way. He says, well, boys, which, you know, means you're in trouble right off the bat. Well, boys, what can I do for you today? And his partner who was with him, he goes, well, they're interested in this piece of property out in Folsom and, you know, st- you know stuff like that. And, and he's like, oh, okay. And, and Scott had told me in advance, he goes, you need to put it together a little flip chart or something to kind of show them what we're up to. And I'm like, Scott, I'm really not good at that stuff. And I don't think that's a great idea. He goes, no, you should make it. A- okay, I will. So I made this little flip chart. And Mr. Oates goes, well, boys, what can I do for you? And Scott starts hitting me. He goes, show them the flip chart. Mom, I'm, you know, really fast and really quiet. I'm like, no, it's dorky. Okay, so I'll show him the flip chart. I pull it out, I show him the first picture on the chart, and Mr. Oates goes, "Uh, you know, I don't need to see the flip chart. I'm like, I told you. (laughs) Mr. Oates says, I don't need to see the flip chart. I, I know who you guys are, and I know what you're doing out there in Folsom. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Now, I've been praying for this whole process. For a year, I've been praying for this vision that I cast for the group that were, that were at, in, in that living room that night. And I, you know, I've been praying. It's like, Lord, I know the property's been appraised at $7 million. We're a church. We don't have anything close to that kind of money. That's never going to be able to happen. I'd heard rumors that they might sell us the back part of the property and, and then sell the front part, which is more valuable. And I said, God, you know, we're your church, and we want to be visible all the way down to the intersection. So that's really going to matter. And I've been praying all these kinds of prayers, right? And So the negotiations begin with Buzz Oates, the master negotiator. He starts the negotiating process at $7 million. He goes, so the property has been appraised at $7 million. And I fired up a prayer to God. I said, God, you remember, we're a church. We don't have $7 million. And the very next thing Buzz Oates said was, yeah, you guys are a church. You probably don't have $7 million, do you? (laughs) I am not making this up nor embellishing. So you know, so you you know we're square, okay? So he, so now this master negotiator, he starts negotiating with himself. He takes himself from $7 million down to five. He gets past five. He goes, Yeah, that's not going to work. He gets down to three and a half million. He goes, You know, if, if we could cut that property in half, we can give you the back half and we can sell the front. We've already got people interested in the front. We can just sell that to them. And we'll, make, you know, we'll make a profit. It'll, everyone will be good. And I fired up a prayer to God. I said, God, we've been talking about this. We're the church. We want to be, we want all the way to the front. We want total visibility. The very next thing Buzz Oates said was, Yeah, but you guys are a church. You're going to want the whole thing, aren't you? And so then he picked up the negotiating process again with himself. He negotiates. So he gets from seven to five to three and a half. Finally gets to $1.1 million. He tells us this. He says, now we've got five investors who are partners in this property. And if I can get them all to sign off, we've got $1.1 million invested in this property. We're going to have to cover that. We can't make the deal. If I can get them to sign off, would you guys, would the church be able to buy it? Without even looking at each other or talking to each other, Scott and I said, yes. Which is odd because we didn't have $1.1 million. I think we had about (laughs) $1,000. We said, yes. So he said, okay, I'll talk to my partners, and we'll see if we can arrange this. If we can make it happen by the end of December, this is now mid-November. He says, if we can make it happen by the end of December, it'll work. But if it goes into January and the next year, that's not going to work for us. like, okay. And then he said, don't call us, we'll call you. And they took us out, out of the room. Thanksgiving came and went, the women's Christmas celebration came and went, middle of December came and went, finally about two days before Christmas, they called from his office and they said, we've got it all worked out, can, we need you guys to sign the papers and make this, you know, make this happen. I'm like, no, 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 we have rules, we have constitution and bylaws and practices we're supposed to do and we like, we have to have two weeks notice and sure, we can do that. We've skipped all of our rules. So all of you who are like rule keepers among us, you're going to hate this. I know. We broke all of our rules. We called every church member on the phone. We said, we're going to have a meeting on Monday night, December 29th. Be there. We're talking about the property. So we filled up the auditorium that night. We had this meeting. We voted, should we buy this property or not? We had a unanimous vote to purchase the property. That's a miracle. (laughs) I mean, churches never vote unanimously on anything. There's always some crank I mean, there's always. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, just ki- I was just kidding anyway, but you know, and not at Lakeside, no crank, because we, we voted unanimously to do this thing. It was an amazing thing, right? But the problem is it's the, it's the evening, it's nighttime on December 29th, and this has to close escrow before 1998 begins two days later. The next morning, Tuesday morning, it goes into escrow. At 2 o'clock the next day, December 31st, I got a phone call from their office, and they said, the deal is done, we've underwritten the loan, we've got, we'll carry the papers for you, we've signed it off, come down and pick up the deed. Which is really exciting until you do the math, and then you realize, I mean, it gets better when you do the math, because then you realize this property is not 20 acres. This property is 28 and a half acres. And when you do the math, you find out that we actually got the property for about the price of eight, which means God gave us all this property, these, the 20 acres, for free. That's pretty cool. Sometimes you set out on a great adventure for God, and it's fantastic. Now, before we go any farther, I want you to meet someone who's been with us at Lakeside for a long part of that fantastic journey, and so I want you to welcome up to the front, uh, Dory Keys, please. Dory. Morning, Dory. Howdy. How are you? Dandy. Dandy, nice.
1: How go Niners are go, Niners. <laughs> Excited. I can't wait.
0: Keep it clean here. Keep it simple. I,
1: I shook the hand of a Seattle fan. So- I have God in my heart.
0: <laughs> yes, let's talk about that. Yes, indeed. So tell tell a story. How long you've been at Lakeside and how did you show up at church here?
1: Twenty-two years. Almost since, I in mean, a long time. Yeah, a long time. And uh, we came here, we moved here in 1989 at Christmas. And uh, our son, our first son was born in 1990 in March. And he was two months old, did not have his vaccinations yet or anything. And he got pertussis, which is whooping cough. And he nearly died. I mean, he, he nearly died. It was really scary. He was in intensive care at UC Davis for... Uh, about five days and then eight more days and he uh was very very sick and we were first-time parents freaking out had no idea what was happening and we're paul and i my lovely husband of 32 years uh we were sitting in the waiting room and he says i think we should pray and i looked at him like we've never done that we <laughs> we've never done that we'd been married nine years um he was a jack catholic I was raised in a Protestant church, and I hadn't been back since second grade. So we really were not church people at all. And for him to say, let's pray, it was like, let's dive off Mars or something. So we prayed. It was weird. It was awkward. And in the midst of it, he blurts out, please, God, don't let him die. He hasn't been baptized yet. And I, what? I mean, I did not even know what that meant. I mean, I just had no idea. So um, it, it, we finished the prayer. Things went on. Brian got a little bit better. It took him about a year to really recover, but he recovered. So after after the big mass of it, I was like, well, Paul wants to baptize Brian, and I don't know anything about that, so I need to find out. And I knew no one in the area, and I hadn't been to church, and I thought, I got to call somebody, so... I kept getting weird paraphernalia hanging on my front door by this guy here. <laughs> and I didn't know anybody, and I thought, what the heck? So I gave him a call, explained the situation. Um, he said, come on down. So I come down to the auto parts store on Market Street where the church used to meet. Thought it was kind of a weird place for a church to meet. And it was very weird. <laughs> this was not at all like the church I went to until second grade. And um, you were so kind. I couldn't believe, I, I mean, I, you were so kind. I explained where I was coming from, what was happening, why I didn't understand this baptism thing, and you explained it, what it would mean to Catholics, what it meant to you, and said, really, would it, would it really be that hard for you to do something that would make his family so happy and him feel at peace? And I went, well, when you put it that way, no, I, it's okay. So it was great. And I just, I really liked you. I thought, this guy is okay. You were, you were okay. Yeah. There we go. He wasn't even a crank or anything. <laughs> if you'd have been a crank. You know, I know, no way. I wouldn't have shown mine. We don't, my we don't have cranks
0: at Lakeside. No
1: cranks. <laughs> so I went home to Paul and I, you know, I was kind of excited. And I went, honey, I'm okay with it. We can go ahead and baptize Brian now. And he went. Oh, I'm over that. <laughs> so, he late many years later. Brian got baptized at Beals Point by Brad of his own volition. So it all worked out for the best.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And
1: he's old now. He's 23.
0: He he made it.
1: He's alive. He's
0: really old. He's 23. I I always
1: wonder though sometimes if that lack of oxygen kind of messed him up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, Dory. Tell us then. So you you know we had a, a meeting in the office. You, you started coming to church. What was that like?
1: I cried the whole first time. the whole The whole first time I was here, I cried the whole service long.
0: It was that bad.
1: It was <laughs> actually. Um, it just was that I felt like I should have been here all this time. I need this. I need this connection. I need to know that there is a God and he loves me and I should be here. And all those years I wasted. So I just cried the whole time and Paul thought I was losing it, which I kind of was. But anyway, um, I had to drag him to get to that service, you know. I mean, he just was like... uh, and then afterwards, he goes, that's not church. They sing too much.
0: Because <laughs> he was Catholic. They, you know.
1: So anyway, he's a staunch supporter of yours now.
0: Yes, he's a faithful follower of Christ. He is, he and is. you became a follower of Jesus sometime in that journey, too. That very day. That day, first day.
1: That very day. It was like the Holy Spirit was in me waiting to come out. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So you've been with with the church uh, for a long time, 22, since Dirt. Okay. And uh, um, you remember the journey getting into this building then. What do you remember about the transition from that place to this place?
1: Uh, Lots of fun things. We had a parade. We filled our cars and trucks full of stuff and brought it over here and honked our horns the whole way over. That was real fun. You remember that. Uh, The big white tent that we had, uh, that we had services in and walked through the mud to get into. I remember that. Um, The 9-11 service that we had out there, uh, that was a prayer service that was Mm -hmm. very meaningful. Um, Before we had carpet, we wrote names on the floor up here of people that we wanted to pray for that they would come to Christ. I put my sister's name there. I need to keep praying. Keep
0: praying for her. Okay. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. Dory, how has your life just tell us one way your life has been shaped by Christ over these last 22 years.
1: I can't imagine my life without Christ now. Every, I've been in countless number of Bible studies now. I still am learning. I'm still figuring out that I need to put my faith in Christ. Um, we're in a financial situation, my husband and I right now, that we have to put our faith in Christ and walk the walk and talk the talk, you know. And it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. But you'd think after twenty two years I'd figure it out. I still need to work on that. Yes. Yeah. I do. And so. that's kinda
0: how it goes for us. Like yeah. It's a continuing journey of faith. It's sort of a continuing adventure.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. And I love coming and listening to you make me laugh.
0: Okay, we'll keep after that. That's right. All right. God bless you, Dory. Thank, Thank you. you. So sometimes you set out on a great adventure for God and it's fantastic. And sometimes you set out on a great adventure for God and then you find out that God has other plans. I want you to hear a story from the Old Testament today that's a story like that. It's a story of a great adventure, but it's also a story of of a man who found out God had other plans for him. The story is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, if you want to follow along with this. The story is about a man named King David. He was the second king of the nation of Israel. And he was a man described as uh, a follower of God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. And let me just uh, walk you through a little bit of his story. First Chronicles 17, verse 1 says this. After David was settled in his palace... He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. So here's David. He's now conquered the nations around him and he's got his own kingdom. He's got his palace built. It's all wonderful. And he looks around and he goes, Hey, the ark of God, which kind of represented the presence of God in Israel, the ark of God is still in a tent. I need to make a house for for God. And he says to his friend Nathan the prophet, He goes, Hey, Nate, I'm going to make a house for God. Verse 2. Nathan replied to David, whatever you have in mind, do it, for God is with you. I love guys like Nathan. Whatever you have in mind, do it, because God is with you. That's just a cool thing. Now, Nathan is not a yes man. There's people in the world that are sort of yes men or yes women, and that's not all that helpful. That really doesn't push the ball down the field very well which is probably a distracting metaphor for you on this particular day. Uh, It's not all that helpful to have yes-men around you, but he was not that. Nathan was the prophet. When David had that little fling with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet was the one who came along and said, that's wrong, king. May you live forever. But that's wrong. And he was very straight up with, Nathan was very straight up with King David. He said, "You, you can't be committing adultery. You can't do this. That's just wrong. And so he's not a yes man, but he says to David, whatever you have in your heart, whatever you have in your mind, do it because God is with you. Verse 3, but that night the word of God came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, you are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. David's setting off on this great adventure for God. It's going to be fantastic, but he finds out God has other plans. You are not the one to build a house for me to dwell in. How disappointing was that for David? How crestfallen must he have been when he had all these plans and the prophet of God said, hey, go ahead, God is with you. And now he comes back and God says, no, 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 not you. You don't get to do this. It's not that David had a wrong idea. It said he was the wrong person for that idea. Verse 5, God continues to speak to David through Nathan, the prophet. He says, I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought Israel up out of Egypt. To this day, I've moved from one tent site to another, from one dwelling place to another. Wherever I've moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their leaders, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, why have you not built me a house of cedar? If you skip down Uh, to verse 10 about halfway through verse 10 it says I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you when your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors I will raise up your offspring to succeed you one of your sons and he and I will establish his kingdom he is the one who will build a house for me God said no David You are not the one for this project. You are not the one for this adventure. Instead, I want to build a house for you. Now, he wasn't talking about a physical house, he was talking about a household, a lineage, descendants. He said, I'm going to raise up your son, and you're going to have a son on the throne of the kingdom of Israel forever. See, sometimes when we set out on a great adventure for God, we find out that God says, No. There's something I want to do in you first. God is always way more interested in what He wants to do in us first than He is these adventures we want to go on, these, these projects we want to do, these things we want to do in God's name for God's glory. Sometimes God wants to do something in us first. In 2011, Lakeside Church set out on a great adventure for God. It was going to be fantastic. And some of you were here two and a half years ago when we launched off in this journey. We said, we want to do some projects for God. we got some great things we want to do. Let's, let's put these all together and let's, and let's move forward and make something happen that's really great for God. One of the things uh, was we wanted to, uh, we had some debt on this building and that building, the block that we built. It's like, well, let's pay off some of that. You go, That's not a very great adventure. Paying off debt. It's like, yeah, it is if you get that paid off and you have some freedom beyond that. Some of you know what that's like. We said, you know, we had a we had a, uh, let's let's build a like a development program for young leaders. We had to staff the next generation of the church. We had to train up the next generation of leaders in the church. Let's do that. Let's let's take that adventure on. We said, you know what? Every time we do a capital campaign here at Lakeside, we build ourselves a building. We built this. We built the block. We built other things in the past. It's always about us. There's nothing wrong with that. I sat over here as our worship time was going on. We're singing. Everyone's standing up and praising God. I'm like, God, look at this. You provided this space for us for all of us to come together and worship. That's a great thing. But what if we could say, let's build some things for others. Let's live out our playbook. Let's give ourselves to others. And so we had all this great adventure set up back in 2011. When David had this great adventure that he was laying out before God, he said, I want to build God a house God said to David, "Not you." And God said to Lakeside Church, when we had all this adventure laid out. God said to Lakeside, "Not now." We'd already announced it. The Plans were ready, the brochures were out, the, the refrigerator magnets were all put together. The swag was all ready. And God said, not now. And I had to come back to the church, stand up here in front of all of you, and say, hey, we had this great adventure planned, but God said, not now. Some of you will remember I said, we're going to push the pause button. And then we waited. Waiting is so hard. You wait for God. Do you ever have to wait for God? Waiting is so hard. But God says, sometimes I have something that I want to do in you first. And so we've taken the last two and a half years and we said, God, we need to look at our heart. We need to look at ourselves. We need to say, what do you want to do in us first? We address some dysfunction in our church. We address some dysfunction in our staff, some disease among us as a church. We address those things. We got to readdress our mission and our vision and say, God, who do you have for us? What do you want us to be about? What's the mission? What are the values? What's the vision here at Lakeside? We got to readdress those things. We got to come back to this vision, this concept of what we now call an oikos-oriented church where we say we want to be a church that passionately loves our neighbors and loves our neighborhoods and loves those people that are around us, our little world. We want to love them. And we got to address all those things as we waited. Eventually, in the nation of Israel, David's son, Solomon, got to build a temple for God. And it was a beautiful building and a great adventure. And I believe by the things that God is doing among us today, I believe that God is saying to us at Lakeside, now's the time. I told you to wait. You waited. Now's the time. So today, we're launching a new initiative. It's called Next 10, and I want to introduce this to you for the next couple of minutes and invite you on a journey with us. I believe it's going to be a great adventure. I believe it's going to be fantastic, and I believe we waited for God to get to this point. So let me have our guest services team come forward, if you will. They've got a brochure for you. So in this room, why don't you guys come forward? In the block, why don't you, let's have the um, guest services team come forward, and let's well, I'm going to pass these things out. Now, this is really risky because I know that some of you are not multitaskers. So instead of listening to me for the next five minutes, you're going to read the brochure. Am I right? Yeah, be honest. You don't have to be cranky, but be honest. Okay, no, so if you're a multitasker, you can read the brochure. You can listen to me. If you can't do both, close the book, listen to me. Or if you can't do that, then tune me out and read the book. Yeah, that's fine. It says it in there. But let me kind of just tell you what we're up to and what we think God is calling us to do and be about in the next Few weeks and few years. We believe Next 10 is designed to be a faith raising project for our church to be involved in together. It's about raising our faith, it's about unleashing generosity to change our world. See, I believe that one of the most transformational activities or characteristics of a follower of Christ or really of any individual in the world is generosity generosity is life-changing generosity is transformational if our mission is to transform as many people as possible into passionate and productive followers of jesus then generosity is one tool to get us there so over the next three years we're going to practice unleashing generosity to change our world that's what we're about because every time generosity happens at least two lives change the person who gives generously, their life is changed. The person who receives of that abundance, their life is changed. It's life-changing. It's transformational. That's what we're about. So we've got these projects that we want to bring back and say, okay, God, this is, this is what you've led us to. This is what we want to do, and so let me just walk these through with you. They're the same projects we wanted to do two and a half years ago, but God has said, now's the time. So one of those is we need to reduce some debt. We call this ministry freedom because every dollar we're not spending on that debt, we're, released, we're releasing that for ministry purposes among us, in our church, through our church, out to the community, and out to the world. And I know some of you are like, yeah, but I've got debt too. How do I get involved in this? i got my own debt. It's like, I know, we're going to walk that through as we take the next few weeks together. We'll walk that through. Most of us are in that kind of a situation. Well, what does God want for us? We'll talk about that. We're gonna. We've got a debt on this building. We've got a debt on that building. We're gonna pay. What the goal is? We're gonna pay that one off in the next three years. And when we do that, that's gonna create more ministry freedom for us, and it'll be beautiful. Secondly, we want to start building some things for others. Not to say we're never going to build for Lakeside again. Not to say that we don't still have a dream for that corner, which is our property. But right now, not. Right now, we want to build something for others, and so we're partnering with Folsom's Hope. Over at Theodore Judah School. We're partnering with Mary Beth Sexton in Malawi and the Christian school that she's using to reach children in Malawi. We're partnering with World Vision in Ethiopia to provide water projects for others. I remember when we first laid this thing out, I thought, you know, all this is pretty good except for the water project. Nobody in Folsom is going to understand the need for water. (laughs) Timing is everything, God is never late. And so we're going to be- develop a water project for them in Ethiopia, in this region called Abaya, that we're already invested in the lives of many children there. And then the third initiative, we want to train up leaders. What would happen if your ninth grade son or daughter came to you and said, I, I, I've been thinking that God maybe wants me to become a pastor, or maybe God wants me to become a missionary. What would you do with them? Where would you take them? How would you train them up? Why wouldn't we as a church who have resources, why wouldn't we take some of those resources and set those aside and say, these are going to be designed specifically to train up young people to go in the ministry. The church of Jesus Christ is always only one generation away from extinction. Now, I don't believe the church of Christ will ever die out. There's no way because it's Jesus' bride, it's Jesus' church. But it is always in need of more leaders for the next generation. What if we were the ones to raise those leaders up? And we're going to seek to do that in this Next 10 process. Here's how it's going to roll out. Over the next six weeks, we're going to have a series of talks and conversations and devotionals and things to walk through this process to say, what is it about and what does God want for us and how do I fit in? Six weeks. Over the next three years, we're going to contribute together. And we all have different ways to contribute, different amounts we can do with that. Some of us have a lot. Some of us have a little. Some of us don't have anything. We're going to talk about how do we invest that over the next three years to bless people over the next 10 years and beyond. Because we believe God wants to do something great through us to change a generation for Christ's sake. And so I want you to be involved in this and then I want to ask every one of us to be involved in this here's three ways I want you to be involved number one I want you to be involved in prayer I believe prayer is a tool that God uses to transform us prayer is a tool that God uses to transform me And so I need to be a prayer. We need to be prayers. And so next Sunday evening in the block, we're going to have a sacred assembly. It's going to be 6 o'clock next Sunday evening. The NFL has already agreed to push the Super Bowl back one extra week so that they're not going to be in competition with our sacred assembly. No excuses. Let's come together. Let's get all of us together. If you have little children, bring them along. I'd love to have them there. And let's pray together. Let's seek God's heart together. Let's do that same thing. Let's have that same prayer focus in our own lives, in my life, in our family's life, in your life, in your small group's life. Let's seek God out through prayer. And let's trust Him in that process. That's what prayer is. Secondly, I want to invite you to participate. There's a lot of ways to participate. One is virtually every day, not quite every, but, but virtually every day in the next six weeks, we're going to put on the... Lakeside Church website, lakesidechurch.com, and on the table, which is, our, which is our sort of community online gathering place here at Lakeside, uh, we're going to put on those two places a devotional guide. So virtually every morning when you get up, you can open up your Bible, open up that listing on the website or on the table, and just follow along and read through a scripture and read through some, some thoughts that will help us move into the next 10. I want you to participate in that. Our small groups have been given curriculum, and so many of our small groups are going to walk through the same process, the same journey. I'd like you to participate in that. We're going to offer six communication events over the next, over the next six weeks. Some of them are targeted to specific groups like the Seniors Fellowship or the, the Young Adults in the engaged Ministry. You know, so they'll be targeted. Some of them will be just open to everybody. I want to invite everybody here, everybody at Lakeside, to be involved in one of those communication events meetings we can talk about it we can ask questions and answer questions and address the issues that are undoubtedly going to come up in your mind and so let's come and talk about it. you can come to more than one if you want we're going to have deserted all of them so if you're hungry you know come ahead but i want everybody to come to one at least and they're all in they're all in the program and the brochure pick one out and come and then i want to invite you to be here every single week for the next five weekends after today you're off to a good start already I want you to come five weeks in a row. I don't want you to miss because we're going to talk about something different and something significant every weekend as we go along. Now, the only exception for this is if you have a child who's getting married in the next three weeks. Oh, like me. Oh, yeah, like me. So my oldest daughter's getting married on February 8th. I'm going to miss that weekend. I just have to tell you up front. Priorities, people. <laughs> so it's very exciting. I'm real excited about it. I get to be the father of the bride and uh, it's going to be very cool. So I'm going to have to miss that week. And so if you have a child who's getting married, in the, you know, during the next 10 series, go ahead. Everybody else, look, there's no snow in the mountains. There's no water in the lake. There are no excuses. <laughs> and no football after, yeah, right? So, all right, so let's see. Part two, oh, and then I want to invite you, yourself, I want to invite you and your household to unleash generosity. Here's where it gets touchy and you get nervous and things like that, but I want to invite you at the end of this run and we're gonna, on the last weekend of February, we're gonna make an invitation to all of us to make the largest generosity commitment we've ever made to Lakeside Church. Don and I are already praying about it and saying, God, what do you want to do through us? He's already, you know, scaring me with what I think he's asking us and we're like stepping up and going, we're gonna give the largest generosity commitment we've ever made to Lakeside Church. And I want to invite every one of us to do the same. We're going to walk you through that process and get you ready. But it's really a faith issue. The whole thing here is this is a faith-raising project. I want to raise your faith. And sometimes our financial resources are the best way God has given us to raise our faith. I mean, think about it. What would you attempt for God What would you do for God if the only obstacle were faith? And what would God do through a group of people who trusted him enough to act on that? It might be fantastic. Lord, I pray for us today for this. There's a lot about you, Lord, that we don't understand. There's a lot of things about the future that we don't, see we don't know none of it do we really know but Lord I believe you are in us I believe you're leading us and I believe you want to do great things through your church not simply lakeside but your church but Lord we are one franchise of your church and we want to live out our faith in you and we want to be people that make a difference in this world and in this community in this region and in our young people So I ask for your blessing. I ask for your grace to lead us in the path that you have for us. Our commitment to you is to follow you by faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.